Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Um, so, I think I should probably be honest with you guys from the start. My talk tonight is a little bit of a, I guess it's a seed talk, which is funny because I'm going to talk about seeds. I hadn't thought of that before. It's a seed talk and I feel like I've got something, um, but I'm not entirely sure where I'm going. So I hope that you're happy to go on a little bit of a journey with me tonight and, and see where God takes us because I believe he's going to speak. Uh, but, but it's going to be a little bit of a, let's see what happens as we go. Is that okay? Are you up for that? In fact, this is a good time to get some ground rules. I'm the kind of person who loves some feedback. You know, if I say something that you agree with, it's absolutely okay to say yes, <laughs> or that's good, or, or yeah, me too, or something. And, and what you'll do is you'll encourage me, but what you'll also do is you'll encourage everybody around you who maybe doesn't know that, and maybe that, that is affecting their lives. And so for you feeding back, it just creates little pockets of blessing. So are you up for doing that tonight with me as well? That's much better. It would have been really awkward if you'd have just been silent. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, so I've called this talk Stuck in the Middle. And um, I look out and there's a whole lot of you that I know and there's a whole lot that I don't know. And I, the ones that I know, I know that God has been using you. I know that he's been doing amazing things through you. I know that he has helped people find their way back to God through you. I know that you guys have been blessings in different areas of the city, that he has done amazing stuff through literally every single one of you. But the truth is I believe that there's more. I believe there's another level. I believe that there's greater breakthrough. I believe that there's more ahead than there is behind you. And really what my heart is tonight is to help you uh, get closer towards that, to help you on that journey. When I was a kid, I used to... Um, I was going to say, I used to be in a poor family. That means that they've probably got some more money now. My family growing up was pretty poor, I think. Uh, I was one of six kids. My mum didn't work because she had six kids. <laughs> and uh, my dad had this job as like a, a kind of a, a house repair gardener thing. And he didn't earn very good money. And so all my mates at school, they would go on holiday to like Spain and they would go to Disneyland in Orlando and like amazing places like that and they'd get on airplanes. Us, my dad would put sleeping bags down in the back of a Peugeot 505 <laughs> and then he would send us to sleep and he would just start driving off into Europe. And like they would all go to Orlando, we'd go to like Germany, uh, which for me wasn't anywhere near as exciting if I'm honest. And what would happen is we would we'd get on the journey, we'd get on the road I would get over the ferry into France and somewhere around Calais, somebody would ask the dreaded question. The question that God planted in the seeds of every child to torment their parents. No one taught children this question. God put it there, I believe. And the question is, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And my children are now asking me, we haven't even got to the end of Kingsway. They're like, are we there yet, Dad? No, we're not. Surrey's a long way from here. And so we would ask this question of my dad. And it's a funny question because I knew we weren't there yet because the car was still moving. 
I knew that we weren't at our destination. And so when I asked the question, are we there yet? What I really mean is, the fun has stopped. <laughs> I, have, I have run out of iSpy. I have counted the entire alphabet on number plates of cars that we have been overtaken by because you're driving at 50. I have tormented my sister and she is about to knock me out. The fun has stopped. Are we there yet? And there's this place, there's this sense of when you're not where you were uh, and you're not where you're trying to get to either. And you're in the middle. And I wonder whether we sometimes ask God this question. Are we there yet? Are we there yet, God? I know you've got a plan for me. I know you've got a purpose. I know you've got more ahead. And I'm not where I was, but I'm not where I want to be either. Like, are we there yet? I'm trying everything I can try. I'm now praying every morning. I'm reading my Bible. My tithe has gone up from 3 to 4%. You know, I'm doing what I can. I used to invite like one person a week. I'm now inviting two people a week to come to church. I'm doing some Ignatian spiritual stuff, which I don't even understand. I'm doing everything I can, but I'm still not there. Are we there yet, God? And we have this place where we're stuck in the middle. And we don't like it. No one likes that middle place. We like the highlights. You know, we love, we love the bits where it's amazing. We love the bits that are exciting. We even, if I'm honest, don't mind the bits which are really, really bad because at least they're interesting. But the bits in the middle, they're not the fun bits. You know, I love the roller coasters, but the truth is you have to earn your right to go on the ride by standing in the queue and waiting. Our life is full of times that we're just waiting. And I think that, um, I think that, like, I preach a lot. I preach a lot. It's an amazing privilege of what I get to do. I get to speak to a lot of people. And when I think about the messages that I like to bring, they're the breakthrough ones. They're the God has got more for you. And these are true messages. He does have more for you. God wants to take you further. He has got amazing stuff ahead of you. It says in the Bible, greater than you could possibly imagine are the promises that God has for your life. And I love preaching those messages. And we'll get people and they'll become Christians and I get to say to them, you know, God is going to transform your life. God is going to make you flourish in ways you never imagined. But what I forget to tell them is you might have to wait 10 years. You might have to sit around twiddling your thumbs for a long time while that blessing comes into fruition. We want like a, a, a drive through McDonald's Jesus where we just get to rock up in a car. We don't even have to get out. Just roll the mirror down and be like, I'll have two blessings, please, with a side of abundance. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it's not like that. It's much more like a fine whiskey. I think that's how God sees us, where we have to mature, where we have to wait. I've been reading the Bible, which is probably a good thing because I'm a church leader. And um, I've been reading the story of the disciples. And I was, I was reading this point in the disciples where they're literally they're halfway through their ministry. And the disciples, they believed that, that the kingdom was going to come. They believed that a Messiah would come and he would bring like this amazing breakthrough. And it would happen like that. It would be fast, it would be sudden, it would be intense, it would be amazing. Everyone would be excited, everyone would be standing on their feet clapping because the breakthrough would be now, like right now. And they're following Jesus and they're like, it's not kind of happening right now, is it Jesus? And it's getting a little bit of time is going on and 
it still doesn't feel like anything's happening. And in fact, Jesus seems to be talking the other way. He's now saying to them, look, I need to be a bit more careful because I don't want it to happen yet. I don't want this to come too soon. It'd be like opening a cask of whiskey like after six years and only getting this poor tasting whiskey <laughs> drink. He's like, it's not the right time yet. There has to be a greater weight. And the disciples are getting frustrated. So Jesus starts teaching them in parables. And what he wants to show them is that everything of faith comes in stages. The things of God, they come at their right season. And so he uses this parable, which I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read to you. I've not got it up on the screen, so please get your Bibles or your phones out and follow it along with me. I'm reading from the message. It's in the book of Matthew, which is in the New Testament. It's the first book of the New Testament. Uh, and it's Matthew chapter 13. And it's a story which I think most of us have heard of before. It's a really famous one. It's called the parable of the sower. But if you find it, I will read it for you, starting at verse 3. And Jesus says this, What do you make of this? A farmer planted seed, and as he scattered the seed, some of it fell on the road and birds ate it. Some fell in the gravel. It sprouted quickly, but didn't put down roots. So when the sun came up, it withered just as quickly. Some fell in the weeds. As it came up, it was strangled by the weeds. Some fell on good earth and produced a harvest beyond his wildest dreams. Are you listening to this? Really listening? And everybody said, what? This is the first parable Jesus tells in the Bible. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? This makes no sense. A farmer. And, and, and what he says, he starts the parable with the same word as the word that he finishes it with, which is the word listen. And I think Anthony spoke about that word recently because it's a fascinating word. The word listen is shima. And, and it doesn't just mean listen like you're listening to me and you can hear what I'm saying. It also it means like like understand it you know like when you're having that argument with your wife and she's like you're not listening to me and I'm like I am but I have no idea what you're saying it is that it's like understand it's this listen and understand but it even has a deeper meaning still it means listen it means understand but it also means do it my son this morning was watching tv and we needed to go to church and I said Cole get your shoes on and he didn't move he just watched the tv Cole that's the tone that works normally. Get your shoes on. He didn't move, he was just watching the TV. And then I quietly said, are you listening to me? And he got up and he ran and he got his shoes on because he knew that that was going to be trouble the next thing I said. But when I said, are you listening to me? I didn't mean, are you listening to me, did I? I meant, why are you not doing what I'm saying? So Jesus starts and he's like, listen. Like hear, think, do, listen. And then he finishes and he says, like, if you can hear, listen. He's like, listen, think, do. And so these guys are like, okay, great. It still makes no sense. <laughs> we still don't understand what this means. And I imagine their conversations like, what does this earth mean? Who's the farmer in this story? Is that, is that God? Is that Jesus? Is that me? Uh, is the earth Israel or is it like my home or 
or what are the seeds? What are the seeds in the story? And they would have all been going away talking. Sometimes people talk about parables and they think that parables are designed to make difficult things really, really easy for simple farmers. It wasn't true at all. It wasn't why Jesus used parables. In fact, Jesus says that he uses parables to confuse people. Very helpful. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and what happens next? Everyone's talking and the disciples come back to Jesus and they're like, Jesus, we have no idea what it means. Will you explain it? I find that fascinating. And do you know what Jesus says? Sure. Yeah, I'll explain it. You know, we go through life, I think, and God does these, these crazy, interesting things and these confusing things. And, and we get through life and we have these seasons where we're like, I thought I was going in this direction. So why am I suddenly now over here? I thought you said you were going to do this, but it feels like you're doing that. Anybody else have those moments? Anybody else had a lot of those moments in the last six months? That's been my six months. God, we were going here, but now all of a sudden we're over here. I thought we were doing this, but now you want me to do that. And what I found in life is that those are extremely confusing. But every time I've stopped and I've said, God, what does this mean? He's shown me. He's just said, this is what it means. He doesn't want to hold it from you. He doesn't want to keep it a mystery. He wants to show you. And so he was showing his disciples that there's different seasons. That, that everything of faith follows a season. And the first season that he shows us in this parable is a season of scattering. He says, a farmer planted some seed. He scattered the seed and some of it fell on the road. We live in a world where we want, we want to reap before we sow. We live in a society that wants to get the fruit without having done the work. But Jesus is saying everything always starts with somebody scattering some seeds somewhere. You know, you know we live generally in a world where people are like, I want to I wanna sleep with the girl before I marry her. I want to buy the car before I can finance the car. Why do you think that you're going to reap a good harvest when you've sowed no seeds? Why do you think you're going to have just the most incredible family life when you've not been investing with love and respect and kindness? Why do you think you're going to get a promotion at work when you've not been sowing seeds of hard work, of turning up early, of going beyond? Why do you think you're going to pass the test if you haven't sowed the seeds of studying? Everything in life starts with the scattering of seeds. And Jesus wants us to know that that is the first step. And it's amazing, this farmer, the way that he scatters the seeds. So I'll be honest with you, right? I grew up in Crawley. Crawley is, isn't exactly a farming town. It's just south of London. Uh, there's not really much going on there apart from an airport. And everyone wants to leave Crawley. So I know like nothing about farming. In fact, if you come to my house, like the kids can't even go in the garden because I don't really mow the lawn that much. It's just like a brightest patch. They're like, Dad, why are you making us play football out here? And it's really, it's, it's nasty, it's horrible. And I, I know nothing. I know, I know literally nothing. But this farmer seems like a pretty bad farmer to me. It says he's sowing seeds. And it says he's throwing them out and it's going on the roads. I've not sowed many seeds in roads, but I can guess what that's going to do. It says he sows them on the rocks. He sows them in the weeds. 
And I'm like, who is this farmer? Why is he farming like this? And who is budgeting for this? <laughs> like, this is crazy farming. Like, when I was in school, we did this little project where you got a plant pot and you drew a face on it. Anyone else do one like that? And then I went to the teacher and she gave me like five seeds. And I remember I got the plant pot and I, I got my finger and I dug this perfect little hole. And I got one of the seeds and I just put it in and it was all nice and I, I folded the soil over it. And then I did the next one and I folded it, did my five seeds. I gave it a little kiss, grow up nice and strong, have a nice life, sung it a little lullaby, la la la. And then I went and played football and completely forgot about it. But that's, that's my experience of sowing seeds. It's do it really carefully, do it really specifically. And I think that this is actually how we treat the seeds that God has given us in our lives. We're like snipers. We're like, oh, bless you. Not you, not you, not you. You, you can get some of my blessing. Not you, not you. The environment's not quite... It's a bit of wind, I can't get you. You, I bless you. And we need these perfect environments. It's like, well, I was going to share my faith with my friend at work, but then somebody brought me a coffee and I backed out. I did want to help that one person who I've been thinking about speaking to at some point in the next six months, and one day I will. I really want to bless somebody, and when I find the perfect person who needs my five pounds that I have to invest a blessing in, I'm going to give it to you. I will give you a smile because it's Sunday I'm at and I'm at church and somebody will judge me if I'm not smiling, but I'm not giving it in the week. But it's like we do that with our blessings. We're so cautious. And yet this picture is of a farmer who's just like, have it. He's just throwing these seeds out in every single direction. And this for me is one of the most accurate pictures of how God will bless your life. It says in 2 Corinthians that a stingy sower gets a stingy crop, but a lavish sower reaps a lavish crop. How do you treat the seeds that God has placed in your hand? Are you throwing them out deep and wide? Are you just pouring it everywhere? You're just like, I'm just going to go out and I'm just going to bless everybody because I don't know where these seeds are going to take you know, I look at this picture of a farmer and I see a God and he doesn't care if your life has been barren. He doesn't care if your life has had rocks all the way before. He doesn't care what your story has been. He's just like, have some more seed. Maybe today's the day when you're going to be the good kind of soil. Maybe today's the day when you're going to see that fruit. And he just pours it over you and over you and over you. And it is incredible. And we get these places in life and we get to a point and we're like, I have no idea where this blessing came from. And it's just God pours them over you. I have no idea how I got to a point that I got to be standing in front of people and speaking. I have no idea. I messed this up so badly and yet somehow God has pulled this through. Somehow God has been throwing seeds on my family. Somehow I'm seeing this harvest here that I had no idea. And God just sows seeds on your life. He just sows seeds on your life. And our job is to get into the right environments. Every season starts with a scattering season. And you might be thinking as I say that, well, if this is true, how come I'm not seeing more fruit? If this is true, what about those other guys 
who, who maybe started out with me and how come they were doing well and they've fallen away? How come it's, it's great for them? How come they're accelerating and I'm not? And it's because the second season is the season of waiting. It's the season of soil. And it's the season which I think is the hardest. It's the place where faith dies, where dreams are lost, where the hope that we had disappears. It's the season of the soil. And Jesus says this is the season when people lose it. This is the season where the promises that you've had don't end up coming through. And he says there's reasons for this, and he gives us three. In verse 18, he says, let's study the story of the farmer planting the seed. So when anyone hears news of the kingdom and doesn't take it in, it just remains on the surface, and so the evil one comes along and plucks it right out of that person's heart. This is the seed the farmer scatters on the road. How often have, have you spoken to somebody and you've told them something and it was, just, it was just lost straight away? You've shared your faith and it was gone. And I was talking to someone just on a Friday night and he was saying that he'd been speaking to this guy and he seemed so open and then it was just like, it was lost. How often do, does God give you something? He, he says, look, I want you to do this with your life. And then the next thought you have is, what me? With my education? I could never do that. What me? Do that? No way. I couldn't do that. And, and you get these voices straight away in your head. Sometimes they're in your head. Sometimes they're not even in your head. I'm going to be honest with you. You step out, you stand up and you're like, hey, God wants me to do this. And the next person you speak to is like, what you? You're going to do that? Really? Are you sure? And then you think, well, no, I'm not sure now. Straight away, as soon as you get a seed, you get this attack. And it comes almost every single time. And you get these doubts. And I don't want to tell you that there's a problem with having doubts because there isn't. I think that if you're walking the kind of faith where you never have doubts, there's a strong chance you're not following Jesus because he's going to take you into some crazy situations. Jesus should be taking you to places where you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing here. I have no idea how this makes sense. I have no idea how this talk is going to finish. And you should have those doubts about now. <laughs> the problem is not the doubts. The problem is what you do with the doubts. You see, there's two ways to deal with your doubts. The first way is to say, I'm not going to step forward until I've resolved this doubt. So I'm going to wait until this doubt is sorted. And if I'd have done that, you would not be having a talk tonight. <laughs> the second way is say, I don't get this and I want to resolve it, but I'm going to hold on to it while I'm resolving it. I'm going to keep holding this doubt. I'm going to keep processing. I'm going to keep asking Jesus the why questions and let him tell me. But I'm not going to wait for all my doubts to be resolved before I step forwards. Doubts are fine. It's just how you deal with them. So the first problem is, is that straight away we have all of these thoughts, all of these attacks that come upon us. The second seed, the seed that is cast in the gravel. This is the person who hears and instantly responds with enthusiasm 
but there's no soil of character. And so when the emotion wears off and some difficulty arrives, there's nothing to show for it. Pardon me. There's a myth in church that if you follow Jesus, it's going to be perfect. That if you follow Jesus, your life is now awesome. And everyone's going to smile and dance and sing happy songs and give you high fives. And, and genuinely, I've had people who have come up to me and they've said, do you know what? I'm following Jesus now and everything has gone wrong. I had somebody who came up to me and he said, I don't want people to pray for me to be healed anymore because every time they pray for me, I get worse. I was like, what? <laughs> you get worse when they pray for healing. And he was like, yeah, so I don't want people to pray for me anymore. I was like, do you really think God is making you worse? But the thing is, every time you step forward, you step up, every time you get a promise, you can expect there to be a tax. You can expect there to be a tax because what we're doing is important. And the third seed is the one which gets an attack and then just gives up. I've got some friends and they've, um, they've just made this huge step of faith about a year ago. And they stepped out and they had no money. They had no idea of how it was going to come together or what it was going to do, but they had a dream. And they were like, we believe that if we work hard and we follow this dream, that God will do everything that he's promised us, that God will bring it through. And so they stepped out for this dream. And do you know what happened? It was beautiful and it all just went well and there was no difficult times. And that is not a true story. <laughs> what happened was they went for it and they got no money. And they couldn't get the work. And it was hard. And it stretched them. So they started asking people for help and people didn't want to help them. And they said, we think we might give up. We think maybe we did this wrong. And then they decided, we're not going to give up. We're going to keep on going. And then like right at the last minute, they suddenly got this client who just brought in the money they were looking for. But they had to push through the hard times. They had to push through the difficulties. The third seed he talks about is a seed that was cast in the weeds. And this is the person who hears the kingdom news, but weeds of worry and illusions about getting more and wanting everything under the sun strangle what was heard and nothing comes of it. I love sowing. I love moments of life where you're sowing. They're the moments of inspiration, of dreams, of ideas, of, of this could be this. We could go and do that. We could change the world like this. Let's change everything. Let's make it amazing. I love moments of sowing. I love preparing talks to sow and, and to sow seeds in people's lives. I love all of that. I also love the harvest. I love it when you see the fruit. When someone comes five years later and says, you have no idea, but God did this. And look at this now. Look at what the journey God has taken. I love those moments. Moments I don't love are the ones in between. The wait. The wait where you're not at the beginning, you're not at the end. And you start to worry. And you start to think, what will happen to my seeds? What happens if birds come and pick them away? What happens if nobody gets it? What happens if, if people say stuff about me? What happens if I'm attacked? What happens if I try to push myself forward and people judge me or misunderstand me? And you start to worry. And I'll be honest, I think I've spent a lot of my life 
just holding my seeds in my hand because that's where they're safest. I keep my dreams. I keep my hopes. I don't want to trust them to the soil because the soil involves me letting go. It involves me releasing them and not controlling them anymore. And so I, I keep them safe. I keep them close and I think, oh, look at this seed. This is a beautiful one. One day this is going to be an amazing bit of fruit, this seed. Maybe I even tell my friends, hey, look, I've got this seed. I've got this dream of what God's going to do through my life. I've got all of this potential. Can you see it? But I'm not going to risk it to the soil. Because what happens when I put it in the soil? I don't know. I am... Um, I've told some of you this story, but I moved to Manchester to plant a church. Uh, if you were around last week, you might have heard my announcement. Um, I was a youth worker down in Surrey, and God said, go to Manchester and plant a church. That was, that was pretty much it. That was all I knew. That was all I had. And I was like, okay, thank you, Jesus. Let's work that out. So I quit my job, and uh, Emma quit her job, and we had a house to live in for two months when we got here. And so we took like a couple of grand savings that we had. We moved to Manchester. And I got here and, and I was like, I, I'm kind of, I find some faith stuff quite easy. Like I believe if, if God is God and he is real, then he's going to have my back. And so that kind of stuff, that, that didn't bother me too much because God can do anything. And so I had this idea. I was like, what, this is going to go down. I'm going to go to Manchester. I'm going to walk into a pub. I'm going to buy a beer in that pub because that's the kind of man I am. I'm then going to sit down at a table and there's going to be a group of people who are all sitting there saying, hey, we want to plant a church. If only a leader would happen to arrive at this moment. And I would say, I am that leader. That was, that was genuinely, that was how I imagined it working when I arrived in Manchester. And so I got to Manchester and um, we were like, great, what should we do? What's happening here? And so we started visiting lots of different churches just to kind of see what God was already doing. And we were like so excited. We we're like, this is epic. We're going to plant the greatest church ever. We're going to call it the greatest church ever. <laughs> and it'll just do what it says on the tin. It's going to be brilliant. And um, we went to a church in Salford called Lighthouse Church. Uh, there's a leader, Paul Hallam was there. And um, he said, he said, oh, I've got a word for somebody. I've got a word for somebody here today. And as he said it, I just got all these tingles and goosebumps all over me. And I was like, oh, a word. I like a word. Give me a word, Paul. And he said, um, he said, I've seen a picture of a type of bamboo. And this bamboo, he says, you plant it in the ground and nothing happens. One year, two years, three years, four years, five years, six years. You don't see a single thing. He said, then in the sixth year, all of a sudden, the bamboo shoots out of the ground. And in a few days, it's grown like 60 feet. And you can literally walk through the forests, listening to the bamboo grow all around you. And he said, he said you're here and God's given you a promise. But you have to wait. I can tell you, honestly, I almost swore at him in front of church that day. I was like, I was like, no, give me a be bold word. Give me a have courage word. Give me a it will be hard, but it will be awesome word. Get away from me with your you need to wait word. I rebuke you. And then I was like, in the Bible, it says, 
like a day is an eternity for God, right? So six years, that's metaphorical. That's, that's like six weeks. Like, it's got to be a metaphor. And I was like, yeah, that's got to be a metaphor. And um, a year went past. And I was like, okay, Lord, that must be the six years. <laughs> uh, you're not going to make me hold out for five more, are you? And then another year went past. And I was like, God, what are we doing here? Like, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I genuinely ask, I don't know what I'm doing. I am just waiting. The third year went past. The fourth year went past. I was like, God, are we there yet? Can we do it now? Have we got to our... The fifth year went past. I, so I stopped asking. What are we doing, Lord? Why did I come to this city in the bleak northwest where it rains? <laughs> Everyone argues about football. And my kids are now sounding northern. What's happening, Jesus? <laughs> Why are we here? And I kept waiting and waiting. And then the sixth year came. And I was at a prayer meeting uh, in the peak, not the peaks, somewhere, some hills. Um, and uh, we're praying and I just felt like God say, and now's the time. And now's the time. And I came away and I was like, wow, what does this look like? I was like a puppy. I was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And, um, and then like that week, Anthony came to me and he said, um, I'm stepping down from leadership at Kingsway and we want a new leader. And he's like, will you come and lead Kingsway? And I was like, wow. And I realized that Kingsway could be a church planting church. Kingsway could be a church where churches are planted from. And, um, and it was really amazing. I had this moment in this journey where I felt like God literally said to me, you could lead Kingsway or you could go and start something new. Both are going to be awesome. Both are going to be amazing. And so I said I'd lead Kingsway. The Sunday they prayed for me, my calendar popped up a reminder. The Thursday before was our six-year anniversary in Manchester to the day. That was the closest possible Sunday that God could have brought us to his word being fulfilled exactly. There's always a waiting. But you have to decide how you're going to wait. The way you wait will define what God will do in your, with your life. And the longer the wait, the greater the whiskey that he is brewing through you. So don't give up. Don't fall short. Don't stop halfway. Don't get in that soil and start worrying about how it's all going to sort itself out. I heard a song during this time when I was probably at my lowest moment asking God what was the problem. Um, can I get the band up as well, please? I, I, I heard a song at this time. And the song talked about holding on to every promise that God has for your life. And it says, I hold on to all of your promises with hands open. And I thought that's a beautiful picture. How you can hold on to every seed. You can hold on to every promise. Everything that God wants to do for you. You might be here. You might be halfway through of an a year of acceleration. You've seen nothing. I believe that there's a harvest that's coming. You might not be able to see it yet, but it is coming. 
and you can hold on. You don't need to hold on to it in a close-handed, I'm keeping my seeds to myself kind of way. But you can say, God, I am ready for this. God, when it's the right time, I am waiting. I will hold on to your promise. Essentially, in the next parable in Matthew is another parable about seeds. And it talks about a farmer who plants seeds. And it says he doesn't know how they grow, they just grow. And so he has now planted seeds and he's in this season. Do you know what the parable tells him to do? Go to sleep. It says go to sleep. That's what the Bible tells us to do in the middle. It says do everything you can do, work as hard as you can, give it to God and go to sleep. And wait and just let him do his work. God is a God who brings every seed at its time in the right season. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.